Jesus, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for the chance it is to grow under your word. Lord, things that seem like they might not be happening the same way for a while um, seem all the more precious. And Lord, we want to grasp this opportunity to grow under your word together as a people. And Lord, we pray for the kiddos as they head out to Gospel Kids, that you would grow them, that you would show them the glory of Jesus, and that in the seeing they would become more like him. We pray that you'd build them up as young people of faith, who trust in the Lord, who have him as their saviour and king. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Um, yeah, like I said, this, this was a bit of an 11th hour change uh, to this sermon. Um, and, and I mean that literally. Uh, it, 10? 10 o'clock I sent you a message last night. I have to give a public apology here, actually, at the start, probably, that uh, I sent Phil Cook, who was going to be preaching today, a message last night around 10 o'clock and said, hey, you're not preaching tomorrow. Uh, so, so thank you so much for preparing that. You will get a chance to, to preach it, presumably, uh, God willing. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Uh, come back next week if there is a next week. Um, but, yeah, uh, this just seems like an itch issue of such enormity that it does not bear not speaking to it as, as a church. Um, I, I, was, I was in the clinic this week. Uh, if you don't know, I work as a nurse down at the Middleton Medical Center when I'm not a pastor here. I'm still a pastor, but I'm just a sneaky one there. Um, that's on recording. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember the exact wording, but I was chatting to someone. I don't actually even remember who I was chatting to, but uh, they said something along the lines of the fact that they were just tired of worrying. They were just over it, you know? I don't know. I found that to be really relatable uh, in this, in this, particularly this last week, but over these last months as well. Um, I, think, I think it's a common experience for a lot of people at the moment, even if you personally haven't had it. Um, it's, it's been one for me. Uh, I, I remember the other day I had a flat-out day, uh, which is every day at the moment, actually, but, but this particular one, I didn't check the news once. And I didn't check the SA Health website for new updates once. And at the end of the day, I just had this overwhelming sense of relief. And I realized that every other day, I'd been doing that way more than was healthy. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not that uh, long ago. Isn't it funny? It's not that long ago that I finished a read through of the Psalms uh, in, my, in my own devotional time. It's not that long ago we finished a little series in the Psalms here as well. Um, I'd been going through it as a marathon, all 150 of them. Uh, but, but now that this is all happening, uh, I'm actually going back to them and, and reading them with, with new wonder, uh, new joy coming out of them for me. So, so many of the Psalms are written by people who are in the middle of a struggle. Um, take, take Psalm 88, for instance. Psalm 88 is widely known as the most depressing of the Psalms, the darkest Psalm. Sorry, that's the word. Um, let me read you the last few verses of Psalm 88. Uh, from verse 13, uh, the author writes, uh, it's a psalm of the sons of Korah, he writes, uh, But I, O Lord, cry to you, in the morning my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Feel the, feel the pain in these words, right? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. 
They close in on me together. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. Uh, and he doesn't write it, but, but the end. That's, that's the end of Psalm 88. What a, what a struggle psalm, right? Like, does it, does it surprise you a little bit that that even makes it into the canon of Scripture? That, that, that those words are there. Like, it's not one of those ones, there's plenty where there's a struggle and then there's, there's this nice, nice bloom of hope at the end. Um, but not that one. And where we might be tempted to find that a bit depressing uh, when we're comfortable, when we're sitting in our armchair at home, when nothing is going wrong, uh, when difficult things happen, when sickness comes and, and the world seems to be turned upside down and thrown into turmoil, and not turmoil, not just the world, our inner selves are so tempted. There's so much that could throw you into inner turmoil at the moment. Um, when that happens, there's, there's a precious practical lesson to be taken from the struggle of the Psalms. And it's simply this, it's okay to struggle. Sometimes we Christians, we get fooled into thinking that we shouldn't struggle if we're a Christian, that that shouldn't happen. That if I had enough faith, uh, I wouldn't have any anxieties, you know? I wouldn't have fears. I, 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 would, I would walk through this life unaffected by the lot of it. I'd be happy, I'd be beaming all of the time. And that's just really, it's, it's uh, what you might call an over-realized eschatology. Uh, it's, it's, it's an over-realized idea of, of what happens after this world. Um, it's taking something that will be ours one day in Christ uh, when Jesus returns, and it's saying it should be ours right here and now, this time. And that's just not the case. So many times in Scripture we see the, the, the authors, the authors of the, the epistles, like writing to people about their anxieties. Now, sure, they're writing to combat those anxieties, but even in writing it, they acknowledge they have anxieties. And it's to teach us the lesson again and again in the Psalms, in, in, in words that God chose to have in his holy scriptures. You know, no word of the Bible is in there accidentally. God chose these to be there, and he chose to have people struggling in the Psalms. Perhaps what's, what's key is that it's not just okay to struggle. Uh, it is vital that we bring our struggles to God. All of these struggle psalms, they're written as, as prayers. Uh, they operate so often in conversation with God. Because although people with faith in Jesus still struggle, he does speak into our struggles. He is there with us in our struggles. He's faithful and loving and with his people in our struggles. Take Psalm 73, uh, which Philip very kindly read out for us just before. We're going to spend the remainder of our brief time here together today in Psalm 73. It's not uh, without reason. This has been a week of significant anxieties for me personally. Uh, as, as a pastor of a church that are uh, still working out a, a new building situation, as, as a pastor in a time when a pandemic is spreading, that's a nice calm reality, isn't it? Uh, and, and the information is changing day by day, and there are so many conflicting opinions on it. And where, where that pandemic may even keep us from, from getting into that new building that I just mentioned, um, 
as, as, a, as a, a father of children and a, and a man with older relatives uh, in the middle of an infectious disease crisis, and of course as a, a nurse in the middle of a public health crisis, uh, I've had to face uh, some significant anxieties this week over all of that. Not to the extent that I've been immobilized, rocking back and forward in the chair yet, uh, but it's a little bit of a joke, but, but I wonder if this is relatable, right? I, I wonder, have you found yourself checking the news a lot this week like I have? Have you found yourself looking up the, these details much more than you normally would this week? Because maybe because you want to be in control. Maybe because it's, it's the one sense of control that we have is in having the information at the moment. Can you relate to that? Anyone? Yeah. Robin's shaking her head at me. Thanks, Robin. In this week of anxieties, though, Psalm 73 has kept coming back to me. And Psalm 73 has been God's tool this week by which he has battled my own anxieties. When my heart has said, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if people will be okay. I don't know if we will be okay. God has come back with Psalm 73 again and again. I reckon about five times this week I've found myself drawn into reading this psalm. There's a, a particular part of this psalm that has really spoken to me, uh, but, but we're going we're gonna to take it in, in briefly in context today rather than just jumping to a few verses. Um, the psalm opens on struggle. Those opening words are, Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. Basically, he's saying, I know God's good to his people, but gosh, was I struggling to believe it in my day to day. He goes on to speak about his struggle. He struggles with looking at the people of the world and how comfortable they are and how easy they have it, how powerful they are. He's led to say in verse 13 that his obedience and righteousness have been worthless to him. All that's got him is persecution. And it's funny, I think, I think that that situation would have been much more relatable maybe a couple of months ago, really. Um, uh, even a few weeks, really. Uh, everyone seemed to have it all together, right? Everyone seemed to be going okay. There weren't any major threats in our immediate vicinity. There were bushfires, sure, uh, even, even fairly close, but not right here. Um, but the psalm reaches a, a critical turning point. Uh, as the author says in verse 16 17, but when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. When he comes to God, and, and isn't that a critical step? It, it's it's in, on coming to God that the change happens. When he comes to God, he remembers the holiness and the eternal nature of God. He remembers what's happening now isn't all that there is. There is an end of what is happening now. And he remembers that for the person who is not right with God, that end is judgment. That end is condemnation. Hell awaits. That's a message we need to hear right now, right? I, I heard someone say, Reese, this last week, if, 
what we're hearing is that this is a pandemic that affects older people uh, more than others. And whatever else you might say of that, that has a clear message for our churches. We need to be reaching older people now. You know, Now's the moment. And just as he is remembering the depths of the terror of the condemnation that is coming for this world, um, he turns and remembers how graciously God has brought him out of uh, out of that, and is bringing him out of that. And this this is this is this is the bit that's spoken to me this week. This is the bit that I've been drawn back to. Uh, it's probably fairly obvious. These next words uh, they they bring us the the. The right now hope and, and the future hope for the Christian that we need to hear right now. It gives us the power to move through terrifying situations. It gives us the power to have peace. These next words are ones that can give us peace when we are being faced with storms, when we're faced with a terrifying world, when we're faced with anxieties. These are words of peace to us. They are words that bring a good that is greater than any evil to us. And so can speak to God's people in the face of any evil. Greater than evil people who, who seem to be doing so well. Greater than the most terrible fears that my heart can conjure up. Greater than a worldwide pandemic that threatens our very lives and the very society that we live in. Isn't that a, isn't that a peace worth having? Isn't that a great good worth hearing? A peace that is rooted in something so unshakably valuable that it can't be taken away. Would, would, would you like to hear it? I don't know. Like, we could just stop. No, I'm just... The author Asaph, he makes these four statements here that each powerfully speak peace against our fears and anxieties. Number one, he says, nevertheless, nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. No matter where you go, believer in Jesus, if you have believed in Jesus, then the king of the universe is walking beside you. He cares for you. Nothing can separate you uh, Paul says it in Romans, right? I think someone already said Romans 8 today. Isn't it a Romans 8 sort of week? It always is. Um, he says, neither death nor life, uh, no matter the conditions upon which either of those are being uh, brought about, by the way, neither death nor life, neither angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. That covers viruses, by the way. Uh, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. No matter where we go or what happens in the coming days, weeks, months and years, Jesus walks with his people. He is a very present help in trouble, the Bible tells us. So we have reason for peace when the world's in turmoil because the sovereign king of all creation is walking by our side. Statement number two that he makes. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Here's an eternal perspective on our here and now struggle, right? Nothing can defeat the fact that 
Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. All of the believers will enter into life with Jesus forever. No matter what happens, glory is waiting for us. Peter writes it like this. I love this. We were in this passage maybe a year ago here, a little bit more. Um, God has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. No matter what happens, we have reason for peace because we have an eternal inheritance coming that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. It doesn't deteriorate. It won't become bad over time. It won't fade away over time. No virus will ever threaten it. No struggle of any sort will ever push it away, will ever put a scratch on the hope and the inheritance that is ours, that we will live in glory with God forever. It's as certain as the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Statement number three. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Here's a central truth of the Christian life, isn't it? Get this and you perhaps have the greatest weapon against anxiety and fear that exists. When God saved you, if you are saved, he saved you into treasuring him above all else. There is nothing on earth that I desire beside you, he writes. I don't know about you, I'm not sure if those are words that are um, always true of me in a way. In fact, they're not, right? Like, like I, I tend to desire other things. But when crises arise, then we, we tend to remember, or we should tend to remember, there's nothing so desirable as our God. There is no joy like the joy of having God. And that really just continues on into this final state. He says, my flesh and my heart may fail. It's a real risk, isn't it? My flesh and my heart may fail. I I could die. I could fall apart. I could become a gibbering mess. I could become a, a dead mess, you know? But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He acknowledges the struggle again. You see it? Because knowing this peace doesn't mean that the struggles are all just gone, that they just don't exist anymore. It's not a silver bullet. The opposite, he he acknowledges it. He says, my flesh and my heart may fail. I could die. But here is the reality. He gives me peace in the middle of that storm, in the middle of that struggle. Even if I die, God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. We can have peace because not only do we desire God, but that is a desire that is and will be fulfilled. We have him. By faith, we have a closeness with God that was bought with the blood of Jesus and therefore can never be taken away. I just have to say, if, if, if you haven't believed in Jesus, if that's not a certainty that you have, let it be known that that can change today. All he calls you to do is believe and trust. Come under the king. Jesus, and be saved from your sin.
There's only one source of peace that can weather every storm. It's the peace that comes from Jesus. Jesus gives a peace that this world can't take away. Everything else, aren't we seeing every other source of security can be taken away, you know? Like, like look what our economy that seems so secure is doing right now. Or don't if, if, if you trust in the economy, because seriously, you're going to flip. Um, for those who have believed in Jesus, I, I, I want to say, um, I just want to bring this down into our everyday lives in three little ways. Way number one, it's okay for us to struggle. But it's, it's madness for us to struggle apart from God. He wants us to come to him, to open his word in, in Psalms and elsewhere, right, everywhere, pray to him, grapple with him, and seek comfort relentlessly from him. And I'd add to that, it's, it's madness to struggle apart from the brothers and sisters that you've been given in Christ as well. Um, you know, maybe maybe a one and a half to two metres apart, but uh, that'd be all right. We, we're given to each other to speak words of encouragement into each other's lives, to speak gospel words into each other's lives. Let's, let's step up and, and care for each other in this time, right? In our struggles. If, if you're one of the people who went, no, I'm not, I'm not struggling with anxieties, there's a job for you. Um, let's show each other what Jesus is like and how we are towards each other. Thing number two, we have good reason not to lose heart. No matter what happens, after all, he will receive us to glory. We get what we desire. We get Jesus. We get God and all other joys alongside forever and ever. So we don't need to flip. We can have peace in the storm. I think number three, this peace that we have is intended to be a light to the world. What God's doing to you and in you, he wants to do through you for others. The whole world right now is, is, is turning inwards. If you've noticed, people are looking to their own uh, needs and their own desires and their own anxieties and trying to defend as best they can, understandably. People are tearing each other apart because of their actions. People are fighting over rolls of toilet paper. Seriously, toilet paper. Like, when, we, when was the last time that toilet paper seemed to be like gold in our society? Like, it's literally just thinner than normal paper. Um, don't put paper down your toilet. Uh, people are tearing each other apart for their actions, right? Country people are getting angry at city people for coming over and, and, and staying in the country or shopping in the country, right? You know, it's, 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 a, it's a bizarre reversal, I'll warrant. Uh, <laughs> city people fleeing like refugees. Uh, <laughs> But there probably won't uh, be anywhere to hide in the end. It's prob probably pointless to, to a large extent, I'm afraid. Sorry, sorry if you've come here today to run away. Um, people are arguing. People are looking for hope in, in government action, in, in the World Health Organization. They seem bigger than this, don't they? Uh, until they're not. In, in local community action, we're looking for hope. But people are coming up short because this is bigger than us, you know? 
Um, people are going to point the finger and blame people in the end. But, but in the end, there's a limited amount that we can do about this sort of thing. We can do stuff, don't get me wrong, hence the spacing. But there's a limited amount. We don't have control as much as we want to have control. But we, Christians, we have a hope and a peace that is bigger than the problem. We have the only hope and the only peace that is bigger than the problem. And as such, we are uniquely equipped to care for those around us. And so to reveal the peace of the gospel. We are freed to be the ones, though we may struggle, who are not crushed and can go on in this crisis. We are freed by the peace of our eternal security to reach out to people. On our streets, in our circles, in our, in our community to leave notes indoors and offer help to those who might need it uh, when, the, when this virus does come, to arrive uh, to, to, to help those who are sick and to help those who are just already struggling, to help those who are isolated, to shop to people for people, to, to cook for people, to care for people. We are freed to live in such a way that demands an explanation and that the only explanation for it is Jesus. Um, that's what I've got today. But I want to end. Matt's going to come back up in a sec. Um, he, is, he has walked this path before us. He is walking with us still. What power those words have this week. They are always powerful, Lord, but for the darkness of the backdrop, they seem all the brighter. All our sickness and sorrow, Jesus carried up the hill. Help us to walk, Lord, as a people who know that you're with us and shine the light of Jesus with us. Lord, rather than doing things in our own strength or our own thoughts, that we be led by, used by, give witnesses for the love of God through the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through us in whatever part of society you give us to Lord, lead us to be a people who rejoice. Though the world crumbles, who rejoice, because our God is greater than the world. Lead us to follow you day by day. Show us your glory, Jesus, and don't let our eyes be drawn aside by the threats of this world and the glories of this world, 
but let us go on following you every day on into eternity. Thank you for the peace you give us. We ask that you would wage war against our anxieties and you would wage war against Satan, against sin, against death, that many would be saved, that your people would swell and grow, that more would come to believe because you are so bright and glorious against the backdrop of this current issue and against the backdrop of this world every day. Lord, we lift our hands and we raise our voice. You are worthy of all praise. Work through us, Lord, and in us. In Jesus' name. Amen.